Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Good morning. This is the beginning of the season of fall, but we are blessed with beautiful fall here, the changing of the seasons. God never changes, though, and so we are here to worship Him, to be fed and nourished by His Spirit. Let us be called together to worship, then, as we read responsively from the 34th Psalm. I will bless the Lord at all times. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. O oh, magnify the Lord with me, and let us exalt his name together. Friends, let us worship the living God. It is God's mercy and grace that makes us worthy of forgiveness. It is our work then to embrace God's understanding and in the words of Jesus, go and sin no more. Friends, let's go to God in confession. Almighty and merciful God, we have erred and strayed from your ways like lost sheep. We have followed too much the devices and desires of our own hearts. We have offended against your holy laws. We have left undone those things which we ought to have done. And we have done those things which we ought not to have done. 
O Lord, have mercy upon us. Spare those who confess their faults. Restore those who are penitent according to your promises declared to the world in Christ Jesus our Lord. And grant, O merciful God, for his sake, that we may live a holy, just, and humble life to the glory of your name. Amen. Hear us now, God, as we lift up in this moment of silence our personal prayers of confession. Amen. And now listen to what Psalm 32 declares. Happy are those whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. Friends, be happy. Let us rejoice because in the name of Jesus Christ, I declare to you, we are forgiven. Thanks be to God. of Christ be with you. Friends, as we prepare ourselves to greet one another in the name of Christ, we invite our fifth grade and younger to meet the Sunday school leaders in the back. And now let's greet one another. So great to have everyone this morning. It's so great to see old friends and new friends, and I hope you make some new friends as you are visiting with your old friends. It's a great thing to do. We are encouraging folks, uh, if you feel comfortable with that, to wear a name tag in church. We have them available for filling out as you're coming in to worship, because sometimes we've known somebody for 20 years, but we cannot, for the life of us, remember their name. And so I have a fear that you're going to forget my name, so my name is Jack right here, okay? <laughs> Does that make, can you all see that from there? Okay, that's good. That's good. 
Saturday, October 14th, we'll be sending a small group into Mexico just over the border to help build a home as part of our Amor Ministries. If you'd like to uh, experience and express the love of Christ in very hands-on, tangible sorts of fashions, this is a great opportunity for you. So give us a call this week and we'll let you know all the details of how that trip happens. On uh, Sunday, October the 8th, we're having a new member seminar. There will be a lunch and then a conversation right after this worship service. It's especially designed for those who are interested in learning about the church and perhaps thinking about joining the church. If you'd like to be part of that experience or maybe think about it for later on, give Jan Cook a call this week. We have several open positions here at the church. As you know, it's a very hard for employees to find in, uh, for employers to find employees these days. And we need some folks to help us in our audiovisual ministries, our childcare ministries, and our adult ministries. You may not be looking for a job, but you might know someone who is, and so we'd like to hear about them. And we'd encourage you to give us a call about that. Next Sunday, we're having our traditional fall blood drive. We give you an opportunity to give blood either before or after worship. The blood mobile will be parked down at the lower parking lot next to the preschool office. If you'd like to participate in yet another hands-on tangible way of expressing the love of Christ, you can go onto the church website to learn more about how to schedule that visit. Next Sunday is the first Sunday in October, and we'll be placing these new hymnals in our pew racks and starting to use them. Uh, the end of October, we'll be placing these new Bibles in the pew racks. If you would like to honor or remember someone with a special gift and dedication plaque on the inside cover of those books, you can stop out at the table just outside the sanctuary entrance and find out more about how to do that. But next week, for those of you who are like, like uh, Bill, if you're a little bit worried about how to, remembering how to use a hymn book, we're, we're going to teach you how to use a hymn book, okay? And we're going to teach everybody else, so let's not worry about that. It'll help our worship out. So, my friend Jan Cook wants to talk for some reason. <laughs> 25 years ago, I was a very, very, very small child. <laughs> A prodigy, if you will, uh, serving as associate pastor over at Christ Presbyterian Church. And we heard that there was this new guy in town. And we heard that he was very interesting, and he would be serving at the village church. After serving this past year, I can say they were right. He is very interesting. (laughs) (laughs) But you may have come early and seen a slideshow where we looked at the Uh, past 25 years, not all of it, but some of it with Helen and with Jack. And we just want to acknowledge that we are celebrating 25 years with Jack here at this place, this particular church, and we're going to be celebrating that today. Well, life is short. Eat dessert first. That's what they say. So we have cake and ice cream on the patio, and we want you to come and express your, uh, your deep and unfounding love and admiration for Jack and for Helen, and just let them know how happy you are that they've been here. Yay, Jack and Helen, 25 years.
So just to let you know, my one-year anniversary is coming up. <laughs> Perhaps a... Perhaps a small tart. We are so grateful for all that. <laughs> uh, we are so grateful for all that God has done. God has given us so much joy and so much pleasure, and so much joy and pleasure in not only with each other, but in serving the community and the world. And we do that because we bring our time, our talent, and our treasure, and we put them all together, and we see what we can do. So, and as we, the ushers come forward to receive our offering, give with a grateful and generous heart.
Please be seated. Friends, I would invite you for just a few moments to let all the things that squeeze your life, that squeeze your heart, that squeeze your attention, to let them go and breathe so that God's attention and God's spirit can fill us up. Let's go to God in prayer. God, you who created the symmetry of day and night, the seasons that move and mark time and ground us with the poise of your good creation. We breathe relief that it is your steady hand that guides our steps and, and provides a solid path to serve at your pleasure. You are our rock and our salvation and we praise you and are humbled by your attention. And if it be your will, dear Savior, we would be a place of rest, a stabilizing presence, strong holding arms for all of those whose lives are upside down and inside out. We pray today, O oh God, for those who have lost everything and for those who have never owned anything, for those who lived frightened by the idea of monsters, and for those who live with monsters that are real, for those who run away, and for those who run towards the anguish of others, for those who must find a meal in the garbage, and God, for those places on this earth where there is no garbage to dig through, we pray for parents whose hearts are breaking and for children who are estranged and lost. We pray, O oh God, for movers and shakers who seek their own gain. And we pray for leaders and advocates who seek betterment for all. And to be honest with you, Lord, at times we are overwhelmed we are made dizzy by the needs and the ills and the tearing and the rifts and the insatiable thirst for mayhem and discord. We look to the hills and, and wonder from where will our help come. And we know our help comes from you, Lord, the maker of heaven and earth, you who will neither slumber nor sleep. And with your help, and at your will, we, God, we can be a voice of reason, an unafraid force for peace, a dynamo of reconciliation, and a catalyst for good. We ask that you would help us. Help us to stand faithful and unwavering at the gates of chaos, and with the whisper of your name, cause the turbulent seas to still, and the skies to open, and the ground beneath our feet solid and secure. We ask these things, O oh God, because you have invited us to make our concerns and our requests and our joys and all that we are be no made known. And we ask these things in the name of your Son, Jesus, who taught us when praying to say, our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done 
on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
A reading from the book of Exodus. Moses was keeping the flock of his father-in-law Jethro, the priest of Midian. He led his flock beyond the wilderness and came to Horeb, the mountain of God. There the angel of the Lord appeared to him in a flame of fire out of a bush. He looked, and the bush was blazing, yet it was not consumed. Then Moses said, I must turn aside and look at this great sight and see why the bush is not burned up. When the Lord saw that he had turned aside to see, God called to him out of the bush, and he said, Here I am. Then he said, Come no closer. Remove the sandals from your feet, for the place on which you are standing is holy ground. He said further, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. And Moses hid his face, for he was afraid to look at God. Then the Lord said, I have observed the misery of my people who are in Egypt. I have heard their cry on account of their taskmasters. Indeed, I know their sufferings. He then said, I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that it is I who sent you. And when you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall worship God on this mountain. Now a reading from the Gospel according to Matthew. Then Jesus was led up by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. He fasted 40 days and 40 nights, and afterwards he was famished. The tempter came and said to him, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. But he then answered, It is written, One does not live by bread alone, but by every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and placed him on the pinnacle of the temple, saying to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down, for it is written, He will command his angels concerning you, and on their hands they will bear you up, so that you will not dash your foot against a stone. Jesus said to him, Again, it is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. Again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. And he said to him, all these I will give you if you will fall down and worship me. Then Jesus said to him, Away with you, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve only him. Then the devil left him, and suddenly angels came and waited on him. The word of the Lord.
A few weeks ago, I had the privilege of uh, officiating at the wedding of a child of this congregation who was marrying a Marine Corps pilot who flies the F-35 fighter jet. This pilot currently is stationed in South Carolina. And so when news came that an F-35 had crashed, it immediately caught my attention and I emailed right away to talk with Kyle and he wrote right back and said that he was fine. He actually was involved in some of the search efforts for the airplane that had been lost. Luckily, mercifully, the pilot of the plane was able to eject before the plane crashed. That doesn't always happen, of course. Well, I was interested in the story because of that personal angle, but also because I do tend to pay attention when something goes on with our military. And so I read several articles about the crash of the plane and came across some very, very interesting information, at least interesting to me. And I'll share a little bit uh, with you. Uh, these are from the news reports and people commenting about the crash of the plane. Uh, one fellow said that there is software that will allow a jet to maintain what they call normal flight equilibrium, even if the pilot takes their hands off the controls. Fascinating. Another article said that if the plane was in an established climb or descent, the jet will maintain a 1G, one gravity state, in that climb, of descent, climb or descent until commanded to do something else. This is designed to save our pilots if they are incapacitated or lose situational awareness. It is designed to save their life, and the good news is it appeared to work in this case as advertised. Well, there was a phrase out of all of that that, that caught my attention, the phrase situational awareness. That sounds like engineer speak or military speak perhaps for knowing where you are, knowing what's going on. How many of you have situational awareness right now? Precious few. There were actually more at the 9 o'clock service with only half as many people. Jan, I think the church is lost. It's hopeless. <laughs> it's hopeless. Life presents us many opportunities. In fact, you might even argue continual opportunities to lose our awareness of our situation. We get lost. We become disoriented. We don't know which end is up. And, and unlike a hundred million dollar airplane, we don't have some kind of software inside of us that just automatically reorients us when life goes crazy. There are lots of things that cause that situational unawareness in life. Sometimes a sudden change, like when a plane blows up, 
a sudden change in life like an illness or death or an unexpected windfall or a change in relationship. All of those things can cause us to lose our bearings and lose our balance. And the result of all of that is confusion, fear, grief, anger, depression, all kinds of things that upset us in life. But it doesn't have to be something sudden or catastrophically bad or amazingly good. It can simply be life itself, the gradual changes that are so gradual as to be almost imperceptible until you look backwards and see how much change there's been. Societies change. Cultures change. Our bodies change, even though over the last 25 years, mine has not changed a bit. <laughs> Sometimes the, the habits and rituals and rhythms of life change. Those things that nourished us, that kept life on an even keel, that helped us know what was what and when was when, and that all of our ducks were in a row, those things can go away over time. And actually the same things begin to happen to us. We become confused, angry, fearful, depressed. And then we find that we're going in the wrong direction. We find out that we've ended up somewhere we didn't expect to be and didn't plan to be and didn't want to be. That's what life is. Not completely, but it's a big part of it. Not surprisingly, the Bible talks about that. God talks about everything important in the Scriptures. And so let's go to a couple of stories, familiar stories to us that Paul read for us a moment ago. The story from Exodus about Moses up on the mountain. Now Moses has had lots of change in his life already, but, but Moses is now with his family out in the wilderness and he's taking care of his father-in-law's flock up on Mount Horeb, what would later be called Mount Sinai. God chooses to appear to Moses, and Moses chooses to pay attention, and God shares with Moses God's plan, not just for Moses' life, but for the life of Moses' people, the family of Abraham, who are over in Egypt, still enslaved after hundreds of years. Through Moses, God plans to save the people from their slavery, and then God plans to teach the people how to live as free people who are under God's rule and no longer under the rule of the Egyptians. The people are going to experience a cataclysmic, catastrophic, and amazingly beautiful, then, experience of release and redemption. And they're going to be set free in the wilderness. And the people will need to know. They'll need to learn all over again how to live as free 
people. Sometimes we hear about people who have been incarcerated for decades, maybe all of their adult life, and, and they're let out of prison, but they don't have the foggiest idea how to live life when they've been let out of prison. You see that story portrayed in the Shawshank Redemption. That's what it was for the Hebrew people. But God wasn't going to leave them alone just to wander around in the wilderness to try to figure out their own way. God is going to share with the people through what he shares with Moses the information they will need, the attitude of life they will need, the practices and habits that they will need in order to learn how to live as they were meant to live in the first place. God says to Moses right here at the very beginning, you're going to come back to this mountain. And on this mountain, we know what happens. God gives to the people his ten commandments for living life. And then the lawyers get a hold of it and turn it into 613 all at once. <laughs> but almost more important than those commandments, God says to Moses from the very beginning, you are going to come back after I have released my people through what you will do, and you will worship me here. There's the key. You will worship me here. Keep that word in your mind, worship. Let's go to another story, equally maybe more famous than the story about Moses and the burning bush on the mountain, the story of Jesus wandering in the wilderness, opening himself to the movement of God as he prepares to begin his public ministry. Jesus has not yet started preaching, teaching, healing, confronting, loving, caring for the whole people, but he's about ready to start. And as he gets ready to start, he has to address some fundamental questions in life. They are questions that every human being needs to answer. In fact, questions that confront us all the time. They are questions about who Jesus actually is and what Jesus will actually do. Satan offers an option to Jesus. It's couched in several different forms. Jesus, you can have the whole world. You can have everything all you have to do is worship me. There's that word worship again. Jesus has a different idea because Jesus has heard the story about his people, about Moses up on the mountain, about the people coming back to the mountain, about their worship of God. Jesus grew up worshiping God. His family made sure of that. And so Jesus already knows the answer to Satan when he's confronted with this fundamental choice about his life as to whether or not he will seek success in the world's terms or success on God's terms. And Jesus says to Satan, the scriptures say that you must worship the Lord your God and serve only him. 
that ends the conversation. And so there we see from our Old Testament roots as well as our New Testament roots the importance, the fundamental nature, the non-negotiable place that worship has in a life with God. But we have a problem. We have a problem. And I know I'm preaching to the choir. And all y'all is the choir right now, okay? Here's the problem. The problem is that in the Western world today, including the world right here where we live, fewer and fewer people are believing in God, and fewer and fewer people are participating in the community of faith that is the church, and fewer and fewer people are attending worship, participating in worship on a regular basis. Some of that is the result of the changes our society has undergone through the influence of the pandemic. There are people who are worshiping online. There are people right now worshiping online with us. Let's wave at them. Hi, guys. We're glad you're here. That's magnificent. There literally are people all over the world right now tuned in to this worship service. That's a great blessing. But overall, here's the problem. Overall, there are fewer and fewer people in worship. More and more people see worship as one of many options, something to be engaged only if it's convenient, only if there's nothing better to do on a Sunday morning or, frankly, any other time in the week. Society offers, as did Satan, many other things to do other than worship God. As a pastor, as a Christian, as a student of the scriptures, as someone who listens to those stories and believes those stories from the life of Moses and from the life of Christ, that concerns me deeply. I'm concerned not because I think that going to church gets you into heaven. Let's forget about that ridiculous little thought right now. I'm concerned because what happens when we do not regularly, faithfully with the community of God's people, what happens when we do not worship? Everything goes sideways and we crash and we burn. I'm convinced that a lot of the dysfunction of our society today, a lot of the dysfunction that is in our relationships, a lot of the dysfunction that is in us individually that's on an increase is because we have forsaken worship. What does worship do? What's the big deal about worship? It's not just about going through the pain of sitting in a pew for an hour and trying to stay awake and suffering so that eventually you'll get to get out and it'll feel so much better. 
as you walk out of church. I know what you all think. (laughs) What is it about? Worship keeps us focused on the source of life. Worship keeps us connected to the source of life. Worship makes sure that God is in the pilot seat of our lives. I know a long time ago it was popular to have bumper stickers that said, God is my co-pilot, right? And and that's a great thought. It has some merit to it, but I'm a lousy pilot. (laughs) And so I'd rather God just be the pilot. Works better that way. Worship, worship that's worth its salt, by the way. You can engage in worship without knowing something about how to do it. And it can eventually turn in on itself and it becomes worship of you, not worship of God. Ask our director of worship right there. So far, he's been nodding this way. He's been agreeing with me. That's great. Worship addresses all of the things in life that we need to have addressed. It addresses our sin, our guilt, our shame, our imperfection, our incompleteness, our self-centeredness. It addresses everything that throws us off. Everything that takes us on a wrong course, everything eventually that will contribute to the failure of all of our systems and crashing and burning. Worship teaches us what is right, what is true, what is just, what is successful in making life actually work. Worship teaches us how to love ourselves appropriately. It teaches us how to love other people It helps us if we're starting a new life with God, like the Hebrew slaves. It helps us learn the direction we are to go and learn how we walk in that direction. If we're starting a new work in life, if we're entering a new phase of life, worship helps us to keep our balance. Every one of us right now is starting a new phase of life. It's called today. And tomorrow, we'll have another new phase of life. Worship, therefore, is the center. It is the autopilot. It's the gyroscope for life itself. And so, starting today, we are going to begin a new series of messages from this pulpit that will take us all the way to Advent, to the beginning of the celebration of Christmas. We are going to seek to understand why worship always has been at the very core of Christian faith and practice. We are going to seek to understand how worship functions to help keep us close to Christ and always growing in Christ. Because I pray, I pray that in this season of focus on worship, all of us will have our commitment to worship reinforced and our practice of worship encouraged and strengthened and enriched. You see, it helps to know what you're doing here, why you're here, and we can continually learn in that. As Christians, we are always in danger of losing our focus, losing our ballast, keeping our situational awareness, so much so that in God's design of everything, He suggested, nay, He commanded that once every seven days. We recalibrate the pilot by getting in touch with the pilot. 
in worship. Some of you read the message from me on Friday where I confessed that I have a problem of, in a sense, a fear of heights and keeping my balance. I can only go up a ladder a couple of steps, maybe three, and, and I literally start to lose my balance. Something just overtakes me and I begin to black out and, and it's hopeless. Helen can tell you about rescuing me from several terrible, terrible situations. Well, I had that very same problem this past summer when we traveled with the choir to Ireland and we came to the southern part of Ireland and we came to a place I'd always wanted to visit, a place that's called the Blarney Castle. How many of you have been to the Blarney Castle? How many of you have kissed the Blarney Stone? Okay, there we go. Well, let me tell you about this. I was excited. I'd always wanted to kiss the Blarney Stone. But there were some things I did not know. I did not know that the stone is located at the top of a castle that's five or six, maybe 300, for all I know, stories up in the sky. (laughs) And this stone is dangled out over the edge of the castle. They didn't have the sense to put it inside a room in the castle. I did not know that you have to climb hundreds and hundreds of steps to get to the top and then walk around the parapet of the castle where on either side of you there's empty space for miles and miles and miles. I did not know that in order to kiss this stone you have to lie down on your back and hold your head while you're lying down backwards over the edge of this wall. I did not know that in order to kiss the Blarney Stone, you have to risk your life. (laughs) Some people in line with us were worried about kissing the rock after billions of other people already had. They were concerned about something so insignificant as germs. Germs take a long time to kill you. (laughs) Falling doesn't take very long at all. I simply didn't know. It was a challenge to my situational awareness. I was all too aware that I was about to die if I tried to kiss the stone because I knew that if I lay down on my back and put my head backwards over the edge of this thing, I'd lose it. Every moment of life presents you and me with challenges where we might lose our balance, where our focus might be blurred, where our direction might be lost. All of those things make us afraid, angry, depressed, confused, unable to live as the beautiful creatures God made us to be. All of life presents us with challenges that will make us do things that we would rather not do. 
Challenges that will confront us with the need to do things that are very difficult to do. Challenges that confront us with the option of doing things that are not good. That might even kill us. God's answer to these things, God's answer to this fundamental issue of life is for us to worship Him. And so I'm glad that you're worshiping today. Don't ever stop. That's what God says, not just me. Amen. A significant part of our worship is that in the spoken word and in the pre the the prayers and the songs and all, we are affirming what we believe. People of God, let's stand together and affirm our faith. We believe in one God, the Father, the Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all that is seen and unseen. We believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only Son of God, eternally begotten of the Father, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten, not made, of one being with the Father, through him all things were made. For us and for our salvation, he came down from heaven, was incarnate of the Holy Spirit, and the Virgin Mary, and became truly human. For our sake, he was crucified under Pontius Pilate. He suffered death and was buried. On the third day, he rose again in accordance with the scriptures. He ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead and his kingdom will have no end. We believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son is worshiped and glorified, who has spoken through the prophets. We believe one holy Catholic and apostolic church we acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins. We look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen.
How many of you think that I actually did kiss the Blarney Stone? They don't have much faith in me, Ellie. <laughs> but there is faith in God. As I walked up to the stone, I started praying for my immortal soul. <laughs> and there are a few folks from the choir along with me, and I asked them to pray for me too. They thought I was just being flippant. <laughs> As I got up to the stone, I realized that on either side of this gaping hole over the side of this castle, there were two big, strong Irishmen. Remember? And their job was to hold on to you. And so, against my better judgment, I, I lay down on the hard stone and I leaned over the back of the wall, and in a half of a half of a half of a second, my lips barely grazed the surface, and I was up again. <laughs> they pulled me away from the abyss. <laughs> That's what worship does. Worship is those mighty and strong arms of God. Worship is the fellowship of the community surrounding you with their prayer, pulling us back from anything that would destroy us and setting us back upright on our feet. So just as I joyfully, gleefully came off the top of that terrible place and thank God for continued life, we leave from worship strengthened and encouraged and ready to meet whatever challenges we face out there in the world. May the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the love of God, and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit bless and be with you this day and forevermore. Let God's people say together, Amen. Amen.